Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Our Courageous Leadership with Virginia Pradhan, which is every Wednesday and Saturday at 10 o'clock Central Time on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and on Edify Podcast Network. And of course, you can watch it on uh, YouTube channel. We are so grateful for you coming here. You're interested in living a life of significance and success, no matter the circumstances. And we are grateful for you and your questions and your comments. And uh, we are here to help you, not only by what we experience. And many of you read my memoir, Saving My Assassin, and you know my experience under persecution and here in America. But we also love to introduce to you courageous leaders that have done an amazing job in the past, are doing right now an amazing uh, job, and they can encourage us and they can share with us what we can do now under current circumstances. And one of these courageous leaders is Mike uh, Ferris. He is... um, uh, an amazing uh, leader, not only for Alliance Defender Freedom, but now for uh, National Religious Broadcast, NRB. I will let uh, Mike to introduce himself to you. Mike, thank you so very much for coming here and joining us. Well, thank you, Virginia. It's good to be with you. Uh, I have uh, been in the world of Christian legal political activism full-time since 1980. So it's uh, uh, 43 years now. And I, uh, I'm, an, I'm a lawyer. I've, uh, I was the founder of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, which I led in, uh, as um, the chairman and the president for a number of years. And I, I, I stopped being employed there a few years ago, but I'm still the chairman of the board of HSLDA, founder of Patrick Henry College, and I just finished a six-year stint as the president of Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, and I'm still working part-time for ADF, but I uh, have turned the reins over to a wonderful young woman, Kristen Wagner. And I have joined on a part-time basis uh, National Religious Broadcasters. I was on the executive committee of the board, uh, but I've, I've joined as general counsel to NRB and uh, also uh, work part-time with Convention of States which is a political project, which we could talk about perhaps during the during the broadcast. That is wonderful. As an ally attorney with Alliance Defender Freedom, I can tell everyone that your contribution, it's absolutely amazing for Alliance Defender Freedom, and I am very grateful. I'm also involved with National Religious uh, Broadcast, NRB, and I'm on the President Council Committee, so your contribution there is also absolutely amazing, and I know our viewers and our um, our audience will um, be so encouraged by by your life because you have an amazing life. You have been fighting for religious freedom for a very long time. How do do you remember, can you tell us how you started and why motivated you to to start um, fighting for religious freedom? Well, I, it starts with my uh, personal relationship with Jesus. I accepted Christ as my personal Savior uh, November 9th, 1957, when I was six years old. 
Um, my dad led me to Christ. He was a new believer. He got saved about three years earlier. And uh, my dad was a public school teacher and then a principal. Um, and I became interested in politics um, very early. I started reading the newspaper every day when I was six. And um, my dad told me early on that if I wanted to be involved in politics, that I should become a lawyer. And he pointed to a lawyer's house across the field where we were working out in the field. And he says, lawyers make $20,000 a year. And uh, as things evolved, my dad didn't like what was going on in the public school system. He wanted me to be a lawyer to fight against the ACLU in the public schools. And so that was kind of my original motivation. And I uh, went to law school with the desire to be, in real broad terms, lawyer for Christian causes. That would be the way to say it. Um, and I, I got involved while, while I was in law school with a variety of, of issues. Um, our local school district in Washington State decided to ban any Christian mention of Christmas uh, in the public school system. And I organized a rally for that. I got involved in litigation on the constitutionality of changing the rules for the ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment. Um, I, I was about two years out of law school when I, I filed a lawsuit challenging Congress on that. And uh, uh, we won that case along with um, uh, other uh, more senior lawyers who I had the good sense to move my case into their court and uh, uh, collaborate with them. But I, I still played a role, but I had other more senior lawyers, including the Attorney General of Idaho. So I, I just got involved right away. And um, uh, was fighting for these causes and, and started doing that in the late 70s uh, on into the early 80s. And, and I left private practice and, and began doing full-time Christian work with the Moral Majority of Washington State, which I founded in 1980. And so I've been employed by some Christian legal organization. Usually I started them um, in, for the last 43 years. That's a, kind of a, a real rough version of the story. That is so interesting that by telling your story, I was thinking you already give advice to young people when they are in law school, what they can do, you know, because you don't have to wait until you finish law school like you did. After you finish your law school, look around and see what kind of needs are and join more senior lawyers and do what is uh, is appropriate. And also that is uh, another another. A thing that I have in mind is uh, you started. You didn't look around and say, well, there is nothing, no organization. You joined the organization that were already fighting for religious freedom, but you also started. That's another point that young people or people of any age can do. And it's absolutely um, encouraging to know because um, uh, nowadays many people are looking for others to do what they can do. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, the um, the the things I've been allowed to do in my life. The the threat of it is that uh, God's taught me that if, if you're faithful in a little thing, you get a chance to be faithful in a bigger thing. And uh, what people want in leadership is a combination of vision and credibility. Uh, vision means you see problems but you see solutions to the problems and you don't look at them narrowly. You see what's the real, what's the root problem? What's the bigger problem here? And you figure out something that can be done to either improve or really solve the problem. Um, the credibility comes from a combination of good character, keeping your word, 
um, being faithful, showing up, working hard. Uh, but it also means you've gotten stuff done before. Uh, you've, you, you know, so if you've solved a small problem, people will ha uh, give you credibility for solving a bigger problem. And you can go from one level to another as long as you work faithfully. You can even gain, gain credibility by trying something that's very difficult. And maybe it's a, a failure for the time being. Uh, but people see a valiant effort, well executed, and, and that will build a form of credibility. If that's all you've got, that's problematic. But, but if you've got uh, some faithful efforts and some victories, uh, people will give you credibility and, and you can lead. That is exactly what uh, I believe we need to do during this time, you know, to... Uh, faithfully do what the Lord puts on, on our heart and he is, he is giving us every single day another chance and also skilled talents open doors for us so each one of us we can do amazing things for and not just wait around and look around and, and see the problem but see the solution and I will add to that one more thing in faith to see the victory that God has in mind for all of us. And that's. Absolutely. I, I, I believe that uh, uh, we should be aiming at victory at, at, at Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, the organization of doing the things uh, that I, I began to describe as generational wins. Um, that we, we are seeking not just to improve religious freedom or improve right to life, but to live in a country where right to life is honored, where religious freedom is honored. And one of our big goals when I started there was to reverse Roe versus Wade. And we were the legal team. We wrote the law, uh, drafted the law for the state legislators in Mississippi that ended up being the Dobbs case. We worked with the attorney general's office of Mississippi all along the process, sometimes directly with them, sometimes alongside them. Uh, and at the Supreme Court, we were their co-counsel. And so we, you know, even that's not the ultimate victory because we now have to go to state by state by state and win the pro-life goal. But by talking about it in terms of generational wins, a victory that we believe that God was going to deliver, our efforts got more focused and more appropriate. And, and we're seeing those wins starting to happen. Um, you know, you, you, you don't get much bigger than re reversing Roe versus Wade from a, a lawyer's perspective or a pro-lifer's perspective. But, you know, again, that's that's the the gateway into the next phase of the of the battle of, of making America truly pro-life. So um, I believe that you're exactly right in, in emphasizing the necessity for aiming at victory and believing that God's going to deliver it. Yes, and I love the way you you label it generational winning, generational fight, because that reminds me on Ronald Reagan, he said it's so clear that freedom is one generation away. So it's also a responsibility for us. I remember coming 30 something years ago from socialist Romania as a political refugee for defending freedom and religious cases in, in socialist communist Romania to America where it was freedom and people respected God. And we have a responsibility 
to leave the next generation the freedom that we used to enjoy and the freedom that we still do have. Um, I, I believe that when people shrink in fear and they don't act, they have to remember that when they give up one part of the freedom that they have, they in fact take away that freedom for the next generation, they, they will never experience that freedom. So for that reason, I believe it's a huge responsibility for us to be faithful and uh, have fear of God and what God wants to do, reverence of God, and start fighting and standing up. And like you said, there is no better um, joy than to be used by God and to win in a case, you know, that will um, continue to provide freedom and freedom to, to be alive as a human being for the next generation. Indeed. And I, I'm very grateful to you and to others who are here today in the United States as faithful witnesses to the dangers of socialism, totalitarianism, communism. Uh, my daughter uh, has for 25 years now run a ministry called Romania Reborn. Uh, she was uh, a missionary there for a year and met up with a young lady who started an orphanage in her apartment. And when she came home, I, I said to her, why don't you raise the money and build her an orphanage? Uh, and uh, and so um, my daughter, Jamie, and Karina Cabal have been working together for the last 25 years uh, with this program in, in Aradia, Romania. I've been to Romania several times myself and have good friends there. And uh, I, I've heard some of the, the, the amazing stories of God's deliverance of people like you. And so but but I'm even more grateful as an American that you're here today telling your story because it's such an important message because uh, there's way too many people in this country that think that socialism is a good idea. Uh, and they don't realize that embedded in the philosophy of socialism, there is no alternative. It is anti-freedom by definition yes. that uh, uh, it's going to make, you know, freedom is basically getting to make your own decisions rather than the government making your decisions for you. Uh, and the more the government provides for your needs through socialism, the more government wants to make all your decisions, where your kids go to school, where you go to church, what you, what you can think, what you can say. And we see the, you know, the, the darkening strands of political correctness falling on around us and, and silencing people, shutting people off of websites, deplatforming people, taking away the ability of, of Christian programmers to use the Internet. Uh, banks canceling uh, religious speakers. And it's one of the reasons I was glad to join uh, National Religious Broadcasters is the freedom of speech is under its greatest assault by woke corporate America influenced by these socialist thinkers. And so it's, it's a very dangerous time that we live in. It's very important to stand up for freedom. And uh, I, I think we you know, especially need to be training the, the next generation in the dangers of, of socialism, the dangers of communism, because they are always inevitably totalitarian and violent in nature. And um, few people understand that. You live that. So your message has great authenticity. 
Yeah, thank you so much for saying that. And also, it's a huge responsibility because I experience socialists and I experience the atrocities of socialists. And you are perfectly right. Socialists and government will become your God. Your socialists will dictate what you can say, what you cannot say. In fact, when, when, I, uh, when I go and speak and uh, people buy the book, I sign the book with the words, freedom is precious because indeed there is nothing Christ died for our freedom and we need to respect that freedom and people because they hear my story from my own life many young students people of all ages they started to understand it's like the veil goes down. This is why it's such a responsibility for me to speak, to do the podcast, to train people, to coach people, and to um, for them to realize that uh, socialists and communists is what I call a land of lies and a prison land. That's mm-hmm. what it is. And you see the signs of uh, of the the government trying to impose socialists in, in America. And we have to stand up. And by the way, we have to go back to Romania. I will, uh, I will take you and your, your daughter back to Romania at one Good. point. Uh, our ministry is doing lots of things, or not only here in America, but in, in um, Romania too. Would you please share with with our audience, our viewers, times when you're in doubt about your mission, uh, towns like you said, where you didn't win 100%, but it was a step on. How how did you feel at that time? What was the thing that made you motivate you to go on? Well, uh, one thing that comes to mind is a, a continuous battle we had for quite a few years. I, it probably was six or seven years uh, to try to win freedom for homeschooling in North Dakota. Uh, North Dakota was one of the last states that um, clearly uh, recognized the right to homeschool. We don't say they legalized homeschooling because we believe the Constitution of the United States and the natural human rights that God gives us, that the right to homeschool preexisted any of this. But we talk about it as the government recognizing our rights. And so North Dakota had not yet recognized the right to homeschool. And I argued, I, I, I don't, I lost track, a lot of cases in the Supreme Court of North Dakota. And I tried them all in the trial courts as well. So, you know, I was in North Dakota litigating a lot. And we would lose case after case after case. But we just kept trying because we knew the courts were wrong. We, we weren't losing because the other side were, were better lawyers or anything like that. They, they really, frankly, were not very good lawyers. But the, the court was carrying the, 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 the water for the, for the wrong side of the issue. And we knew that the real battle was the Supreme Court of North Dakota. Um, but uh, eventually we decided to try to just embarrass the state. And we brought homeschoolers from all over the country. We held a big rally. Now, this is before the Tea Party movement launched in America. We called it the, the Bismarck Tea Party. And I uh, went to um, a Kmart and bought all the Lipton tea bags in the whole store. And, uh, and we put a little slogans on them, uh, the consent of the governed for homeschoolers, too. 
and everybody in that building, you know, not just the legislators, but not just their staff, but every office in the entire state capital of North Dakota got a lifetime supply of Lipton tea that day. Uh, we were passing it out and it, 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 it broke the back. And they, the, the legislatures, you know, after many years of frustration and wondering if we're ever going to win, it, it broke the back. But the real ultimate victory came about five or six years ago. I was in um, a meeting of North Dakota state legislators about the Convention of States, actually. And uh, a young man came up to me who was a legislator. His name was Nathan Toman. And the name sounded kind of familiar to me. And as we talked a little bit, I realized that I had defended his family in the Supreme Court of North Dakota. He was criminally, his family was criminally prosecuted for homeschooling him. And now he's a state legislator just down the hall from that Supreme Court and making the law for North Dakota. And it was just a moment of great victory and great celebration that we went all the way from being a criminal and being criminally prosecuted to being a lawmaker in North Dakota. That was one of the moments I treasure in my life. Oh, that's a wonderful story. That's how God works. And that's how the the impact that you have on this man's life and now the impact that he has working and fighting for religious freedom. It's absolutely amazing. And that should encourage everyone because our work is always in perspective. God has in mind, sees our work in every area and touches so many lives and so many generations. Well, amen. And, and it's, uh, I, I had privilege of, of being at a uh, meeting of state legislators um, in Texas around this, you know, around five or six years ago. And um, so many of them were coming up to me and saying that they had been homeschooled and they, you know, this person had been homeschooled. I, um, I took them out for what passes in my world for a night of heavy drinking is I, I, I bought them all root beer floats and, uh, and they all uh, we enjoyed uh, uh, having some fun with ice cream and root beer. And, and, uh, um, and they started a coalition uh, or a caucus of state legislators. It's called the root beer float caucus. It's for people who had been homeschooled. And so there's a, there's a great fellowship and a, and a, and a growing number of state legislators all over the country and members of Congress, uh, many of homeschool parents and many are, were homeschool kids. And uh, there's a, a freedom message in that because uh, even if the parents don't ever really directly talk about socialism in a real clear way, they're by their very act of them s supplying their children's education rather than the government schools supplying their children's education. They're teaching them, the government doesn't supply our needs. God and our family and our hard work, our, our needs are ultimately from God, but hard work in individuals and the family is the greater source on a human scale than the government. And so that message taught to kids breeds a form of baseline freedom into their life that's so important for the long haul. And I, I believe that homeschoolers are going to be disproportionately represented uh, in the in future leadership in this country on the on the side of battling for freedom and and I just uh, I believe that the moms and dads that are out there sacrificing they're doing more for freedom than they imagine they understand perhaps but it's a great contribution the, the same principle is true for those who go to Christian schools or other kinds of private schools the same principle but it gets a little more drilled in perhaps when you are at home and you, and you see it and you and you stand out a bit and uh, I heard in a different context 
a parent give their child the advice. As long as you're going to stand uh, stand out, you might as well be outstanding. Um, and so I, I think that that's kind of the the message of homeschooling. That is so. Uh, I love that. Stand out, be outstanding, which is so 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 special and. Also, as a Christian, we know that we are not doing uh, things on our own. God will mold us, will mold our character, will mold our path, will give us everything that we need. So uh, that is absolutely great. We know that uh, our faith in America is under fire. What is your message for people that are watching for others to to? do the things or too fearful to stand up well the more we fear um standing up the more persecution we will face Uh, bullies don't um respond well when you fight back uh you the the greatest thing that, that we can do is stand up i i i remember um trying a case in San Diego, California in 1984. And it was a a dispute between a Christian mom and a dad who was a homosexual. And uh, and it was a criminal trial uh, for complicated reasons. The mom took her son in violation of a court order and hid for a long time trying to protect her son. Uh, And I was her criminal defense attorney. And I asked every juror do you know a born-again Christian, and do you know a homosexual? Every single juror in the entire jury pool knew a homosexual. This is San Diego, 1984, not San Francisco today, San Diego, 1984. I asked them, do you know a born-again Christian? Out of the entire jury pool of about 30 people, one knew a born-again Christian. Now, I got to thinking about that later. That's just not right. I mean, there are big churches in San Diego. There are a lot of born-again Christians in San Diego. And what I I concluded was they knew born-again Christians. They just didn't know that they knew born-again Christians. And the reason that homosexual rights have expanded while Christian rights are diminished is homosexuals have been more open and obvious about who they are and what they believe than Christians have. And by speaking out and standing up for what, who they are and what they believe, they've advanced. While at the same time, by being silent and not telling anybody who we are, we have gone the wrong direction on our freedom. And the reason is people personalize it when they think about you know, a homosexual and they're thinking about the I- issue. Well, they think about some person they know. And, and so they personalize it. But when they think of when they hear about Christians and Christians say this and born again Christians say that, it's an abstraction to them, and and they need to personalize it. They need to think of their neighbor, you know, Bill and Mary, or you know, whatever. Uh, and 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 the more we can we can uh, tell our message and tell who we are. And, you know, of course, if we're if we're ill behaved or bad neighbors or things that won't help us. But if we're good people, kind to our neighbors good citizens in our community, and we share who we are, then I think our freedom expands. Uh, the, we, the number one reason homeschool freedom has expanded in this country is people know homeschool families. They look at their kids and they say, those are pretty good kids. I like those kids. I'd like my kids to be like that. And because of that, it, 
people accept the freedom of homeschoolers because they look at the people. And I, 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 if I can plead to Christians, you know, speak up, tell people who you are, um, be bold about the gospel, be bold about just, you know, what you believe yourself, even if you're not trying to convert them directly, at least try to convert them by an example. And, and so, but, but share who you are. It's so important for many respects, not the least of which is preserving our freedom. You are so right. Um, when you said that, I just remember one thing that I have done just by the nature of who I am. Uh, I was at, uh, at the store and coming out of the store, going to my car, and a lady if, uh, by me was uh, searching all her car and everything because she didn't know where the key, where she placed the key. And she was so upset about this. And I tried to help her, and then I said to her, I hold her hands, and I said, listen, uh, do you know Christ? And she said, yes. Um, this is what I do when I misplace uh, things. I pray, and the, the good Lord reminds me. So I pray with her right away. And she looked at me, and she said, I don't remember the last time when I pray." And she started to look around, and I went, I went in, in my car inside. And a few seconds after that, she came with the keys. And, wow. and, and she, she did like this. Is, and I was thinking, that was the reason that I went to the store. That's But right. God, God will put things in, in your life. And if you are ready and motivated to show who you are as a Christian, then God will give you a chance. And if you are afraid to show who you are, who you are a Christian, I am telling you that you are already doing unknownly. When you start your car Sunday morning, going to church, and your neighbors are still at home and looking at the window to see who is driving the car that early in the morning, you already are telling them, I'm a Christian, I go to honor the Lord. So go on with, with you, with your telling the, the story and telling who you are, because indeed you are right. The homosexuals and others with all kind of things that they come out now, they are very uh, active in front of us to tell us who they are. And not only that, but they try to impose on us who they are so we can be like them. So we need, we need to uh, share Christ with them because we are not in the position to impose on them, but the Holy Spirit will um, help them to accept Christ. Well, indeed, and, and I, I think that, uh, um, you know, God gives us opportunities uh, every day to be faithful to, to him. And, you know, being faithful in little things, you know, uh, someone gives you the wrong change at the store and, and you give it, you know, you, you give the, the, the change back and you say, no, no, you've given me too much. And they say, well, thank you. People wouldn't do that. It's, you know, as a follower of Christ. That's what I need to do. I need to have a clean conscience before God. A little word like that here and there, you know, it adds up. Uh, you know, it adds up for the reputation of Christians, and it adds up for uh, a message to that person's soul that that's a fruit, uh, a seed planted, and you don't know when it's going to blossom and bloom and 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 jump into a full-blown opportunity for them to accept Christ. Last question that I have for you. To me. The hope of America is God. 
what is your message to Christian and non-Christian during the, this time in America that we never experience? You, you know, like you said, if we don't have persecution, it's going to come to America. What's your message to them? Well, it comes from uh, the first chapter of the book of Isaiah, um, where it, it, that there's about 10 verse passage, starting at about verse 10, where it says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Now, Isaiah was written a long time after Sodom and Gomorrah. The, the literal ones were already burned up. And so he's talking about countries in the future that act like Sodom and Gomorrah. So that would be us today. We, we fall into that category. And then and he goes through all these religious ceremonies that they were doing. And God said, I won't even listen to your prayers because your hands are full of blood. And he says, stop, make yourselves clean, take your evil deeds out of my sight, uh, seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. And then it says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Now, while that passage clearly applies to personal salvation, it was actually written for the sins of a nation. And it's saying, even though our nation's messed up, our sins are like scarlet, you know, really bad. They're really deep and they're, they're really dark. Um, they can be white as snow. We can turn our nation around from a really bad situation to a really good situation. They should be like wool. They should be white as snow. That, that's a really good situation. But it's by believers stopping believers doing what's wrong and we start to do what's right we seek justice we encourage the oppressed we defend the cause of the fatherless i don't care what the the left and the aclu does they're almost an irrelevancy what is relevant is are god's people going to be faithful if god's people will be faithful and stand up and do what's right and repent of our own sins and and get our lives in order then God's math takes over. He says, one will drive out a thousand and two will drive out 10,000. And I, I believe I've seen that in my life where the teeny tiny little homeschooling movement beat the teachers union, which is much bigger, much more powerful than we are. But, but our little ones and twos drove out their thousands and ten thousands. And I've seen God do it. And I believe we could do it on a grand scale. We just have, have to have the, the faithfulness to per persevere and to be clean vessels before God, I think the greatest days of this country are yet ahead. There is any way you can share with all of us uh, where they can uh, find uh, Alliance Defender Freedom, uh, a national religious broadcaster? Sure. Our, our websites for both of those groups are uh, Alliance Defending Freedom is adflegal.org. ADFlegal.org and uh, National Religious Broadcasters is NRB.org. And so, um, uh, you know, NRB, of course, represents thousands of great broadcasters like you. And uh, some are, you know, own stations and both radio and television. Others do broad podcasts. Others are content producers. Uh, you know, some of the, some of the major uh, ministries that are on, on the air. So we're there for the, their religious room. So not only would I, I encourage you to, to go to NRB, I would encourage you to listen to its members uh, because they have a great message uh, standing for the gospel uh, on the airwaves in, both, in, in all kinds of formats these days. So uh, both organizations uh, will be there standing for freedom, standing for right to life, standing for the, for the family, and we enjoy 
ask you and encourage you to come alongside and be a part. Thank you so very much, Michael. We appreciate so much your work at ADF and um, NRB. We thank you so much for all the wisdom that you share with us. And I hope that our audience, your audience, will take to the heart and will act on what needs to be done during this time in America and around the world because uh, our podcast is listened around the world. Well, God bless you for what you're doing, and thank you, and I, I, my best wishes and Godspeed to your listeners. Thank you. Thank you so very much, and thank you to all of you who are here coming back to our podcast, Courageous Leadership with Virginia Prodan, which is every Wednesday and Saturday at 10 o'clock Central Time on Spotify, Podbean. Apple Podcast and Edify Podcast, and of course, you can watch it on um, uh, YouTube channel. We thank you so very much again for sending us your questions, your comments, and don't forget to be encouraged to buy the book, Saving My Assassin. Uh, you can find it at virginiaprodanbooks.com slash product slash book, and you can be encouraged of how God can use one life to change a nation, and God can use your life to change a nation. I hope you are encouraged by what Mike uh, shared, how God used his life and changed generations, people in different positions, and you can be used by God to change America or the country that you are living in. Until next time, God bless you. And keep sending us your questions and your comments. Bye-bye.